0: Samach Aleph, Questions Without Answers, Kashia. It's interesting, we're already at Daft Samach, which is almost, I think we're a page or two away from being halfway through Yevamot. In fact, we're starting on Daft Bez, we might already be halfway through Yevamot, which is, uh, which is wonderful, quite an accomplishment. So Baruch Hashem, that's uh, already an achievement and we'll keep going. Uh, at the bottom of the previous Amadun is where we 're going to start, but the, what we 're going to talk about here as an outcome of this piece of Gomorrah uh, is the difference between questioning and have a question and having a question so in English you use the word question in two different ways when you use it as a verb um, I question you implies that i'm i, I, I can 't accept what you say I have a question means I accept what you say i just don 't understand it and those two different um, approaches to to the, the word question, the idea of a question, the process of questioning uh, is important in, in learning, very, very important in learning. It's important in life uh, to clarify what, what is the role of the question you're asking. Uh, the the Gomorrah said we had a brice at the bottom of the previous Rabon Anusat Atzmo, mufutat uh, Atzmo. This is talking about a Kohen Godel who in his youth wasn't so good. So he's, uh, he, he went to college and he met a girl there and he uh, lived with a girl for a while. And then he becomes a Baal Shuvah and he becomes Frum, he becomes a Tzaddik, he becomes a Tamid Chochem, and he's appointed Kohen Gadol. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a Kohen Gadol. The question now is his relationship with this girl to whom he's already married. So the Psukim that we deal with today are in Parshas Emor, Amanao Khalala Zona et He may not marry a Queen Godel, cannot marry a widow. This is from our parsha this week. The, and, or a gurusha or a divorcee or a khalala or a zonah. he amav he may only marry a virgin from his from his people. In Parashas Mishpatim, we have it on a different topic. We have the Indian of Pitoi. If a man seduces a girl, he should marry her. If the father doesn't want the shidduch, there's a knass, he must pay her as he would if there were a ksubeh. And then in Dvorin Kiteitsa, we have the deen of an, a rapist. There's, there's a, a, a fine, a knas of 50 kesef to be paid to the father of the young girl. And he must take her as a wife if, if she wants to. And because he raped her, he may never divorce her. That's an, interesting that that's the punishment. To be married to somebody that you cannot divorce um, is, is in itself a... A punishment. The whole idea of of gerushin, of of the potential for divorce. And look, how many other religions struggle with that. If a marriage is made in heaven, how can you do it? break it up? But, but in Torah, if you lock the person into it, that that's not a marriage either. A person has to know there's a way out, and I choose not to go out. Each day I stay is because I'm choosing to stay, uh, and the couple choose to be together. Whereas if there's no way out, there's there's never a choice. But that's the nature of Andusa. What the Gemara is teaching is that's what you're doing when you rape. You're removing choice from the girl and from yourself. You're now into something which is doesn't doesn't allow you the luxury of choice anymore. What about the girl, she can decide what what she wants. Um, says so, so. These are the psukim we need in order to understand the Gemara. Um, what now? The question is, he seduced a girl, so she's not a virgin, and and he wants to marry her or he d- does marry her, but it, but. She's only been with him. She hasn't been with another man. He was the one who seduced her. She hasn't been with anybody else. And he's a Kroen Godel. How does that affect his marriage? So the, the bryser says, andu sat atzmo mufutat atzmo. If he raped or, and again, it's a hard thing to understand, the Kroen Godel raped a girl when, when he was younger. And, uh, but we're, we're dealing with concepts. The fact is, if this were to happen, what would the case be? If this were to happen, that he raped or seduced a girl, and then married, lo yisa, he should not marry her. <clears throat> now he's become a queen godly, he should not marry, but if he did marry her, Nasui, we, we don't require a divorce. If he did marry her, he's married, there's nothing, nothing to do. At the bottom of the page, Rav Huna, Omar Rav. Rav Huna said in the name of Rav, beget. but he's got a divorcer. It's true, if he, if he married her, she's married, that simply means you can't just leave her, you're married. And now you, and you're not allowed to be married. And therefore, you've got to divorce her with a get, with a proper get. You're fully married, but you need to divorce her. What does it mean? Ask the Gemara, how can you say he must divorce her? The Bryce says, if he's married, he's married. That's, that's what it means. It means they can stay married. No, it says Rabbi Yaakov, it doesn't mean that. They must get divorced. It's a knas says, Since he marries her, he doesn't have to pay a knas, because what did we say? The only time a seducer has to pay a fine is, If he, if he can't marry her, the father won't let him marry her, or he chooses not to marry her if he, in, in that case, then he has to pay a fine. But here he did marry her, and the marriage marriage is valid even though he has to divorce her. What does the marriage is valid mean? It means that he's that he doesn't have to pay a fine because he did what he had to do. He married her. All, all interesting and strange Gemara, isn't it? Um, <speaking in> Rav <Hebrew> Gvira from Be'katil went and repeated this uh, this piece of learning to Rav Ashi. Ravashi is now at the end of the Amoraim; one of the final um, Amoraim and one of the people who closes and edits the final Gemara as we have it today. So Ravashi says to him, so he says to Ravashi, Ravashi says to him, Rav Rabbi Yochanan, both Rav and Rabbi Yochanan, how can you tell this to me in the name of Rav? Both Rav and Rabbi Yochanan have said, Bogeret umukate lo a queen Gadol is not allowed to marry a girl who's more than 12 and a half because we don't know what her background is and where she's been and with whom she's been. So if she's over 12 and a half, he can't marry her. Uh, nor a, etz, nor a, a woman whose hymen is no longer intact, but not through sexual contact. So physiologically, she's not a virgin, so to say, but she hasn't had any sexual contact. Those people she, he shouldn't marry, but if he did marry, it, it, then he's, the marriage is valid. Alma, why? Because she's going to become a Bogeret in any, in any case. Why would you now divorce her? So the Queen Godel marries a, 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 a girl who's a Bogeret. Does he have to divorce her? No, because she's going to become a anyway. It was the wrong thing to do. He, should have, he shouldn't have married her, but he has married her. Even had he married her when she was younger, at 12, she would have become 12 and a half. So it doesn't make any sense to require the divorce. And, and the fact that physiologically she's not a virgin, she's going to not be physiologically virgin in any case, even if he marries her young. So at the time of the marriage, she wasn't exactly what the Torah prescribes, but, but it's not something permanent. It's going, she's going to become that. So the marriage was wrong, but you don't divorce her. So here also, at the end of the day, it's, she's had a relationship before the marriage, but with him. And she's going to be with him in any case. There's no other person involved. So, so it, why, not, why not leave it as it is? Says the Gomorrah cast Yeah, good question. Don't have an answer. So how would you paskin then? In a, in a case like this, so the Gomorrah is not. Rav Amarav says, that what this brysa means, nasui, it just means he doesn't have to pay knas, but he does have to divorce her. He may not marry, remain married to her. And when Ravashi hears that, he says Rav couldn't have said that because Rav and Rabbi Yochanan both said d- differently in the case of a bogeret and a Mukat Eitz. And this is similar to bogeret and Mukat Eitz. This discussion in the Akronim is how, how similar it really is. Uh, and we don't have an answer for this. So Rav, Rav couldn't have said that, is what Ravashi is saying. So how would you think the Halakha is? Let's have a look at the Riff. Yes, he does have to divorce her with the get. So the rif is paskening like Rav Amarav, even though Ravashi has a kasha on on that statement, that this 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 halakha which Ravuna brought to us in the name of Rav doesn't make sense to Ravashi, who's the final authority sealing the, the Gomorrah, and he says this doesn't make sense to me. The Reef says, tough, we're still paskining that way. Why? And the Rambam does the same. The Rambam usually follows the Rif, almost always follows the Rif. Remember that the Rambam's father learnt with the Rimigash, who was a Talmud of the Rif. So that's that train of Masoro. So he regards the uh, the Rimigash as his Rebbe too. He, he learnt as a child a little bit with the Rimigash, and the Rimigash was a Talmud of the Rif. And so the Rambam also says, Anas na rabitula opitaota. If a coin godel had... Uh, seduced a young girl. Even if that happened when he was an ordinary Kohen before he was appointed a Kohen Gadol. And then he became a Kohen Gadol before he married her. Now he comes and he has a i He made a Kohen Gadol and his big coronation takes place and everybody's congratulating him. And now he he wants to marry this this girl with whom he's had a relationship. already, we say no. Sorry, you shouldn't marry her. Weim kanas. But if he didn't ask the shaila and he just went ahead and married her, motzi. Then he's got a divorcer So the Rambam, like the Rif, is paskining according to Rav, as reported by Ravuna, even though Ravashi said it can't be accurate. That's that's really where we are, which brings us to the whole role of the questioning and how powerful is it when the Gemara leaves something bekashya, what, what does that really mean? Says the Rashbor on the other side of the page, a, a very important principle to know in, in learning. Even though Rav Ashi throws up a serious question in the face of Rav Huna. Um, bringing a proof from the case of a Bogeret and a Mukat Eitz, that law Yisai say, he shouldn't marry, but if he did marry, they can stay married because of Sofali Yot Bogeret or Mukat Eitz. So here too, Sofali Yot Bu'ula Takhtab, he shouldn't have married, I understand. But at the end of the day, nothing, nothing's going to really change. He, she, he is married to the woman, to a woman who has never had a relationship with anybody but him. At the time of the wedding, he was over that poshuk of, But at the end of the day, the, 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 there's no reason for them not to stay married, is the way Rav Ashi learns. Nevertheless, Kivan derav huna amala Mashmei derav since Rav Huna had no problem saying it over in the name of Rav, so what must we assume? Rav Huna teaches this in the name of Rav. Did Rav Huna not know what, Rabbi Yohanan, uh, what Rav and Rabbi Yochanan uh, are reputed to have said, which later on Rav Ashi reports? Did Rav Huna not know that? And yet he had no difficulty in learning this statement of Rav in the context of Rav's general worldview and the other things he said. And Ravashi had a kashya, but not a tiyufte. So often the Gemara leaves leaves a thing with a tiufta. also a question, but it's a different word. Kashya and Tiyufta are different things. Um, and because it's a kashia not a tiyufte, lo With a kashia you don't push aside what Ravuna taught. The we Paskin that way. and that's how the reef And it appears to me that that's why he Paskins this way. So obviously the Ashbo learning the reef had a problem. Why Rif, are you Pasking like Rav Huna when we've just shown you that Rav, that Rav couldn't have said what Ravhuna says he said? Answers the Rashbo, because we only had a kashi, we didn't have a Tiyufta. That's why the Rif keeps Rav Huna intact and, and keeps him lalacha and ignores the kashi that Rav Ashi had on him, because it's just a kashi, it's not a tiyufta. So from here we see the difference between a kashi and a tiyufta. A tiyufta is when we bring a clear source that the other person, in this case, Rav, couldn't have gone against. Now, in our case here, there isn't a, b- a brighter before Reshit. He's not bringing a clear brighter that says in the case of marrying somebody who he had previously seduced, uh, that, that he, he may, he doesn't have to divorce her. The brighter doesn't say that. We're deducing it from the case of Bogerit and, and mukadets. That's a cashier. It's not a Tiyufta. The cashier, it's still right. Nobody's challenging. Nobody's saying. Nobody's answering Rav Ashi and saying, "How can you compare them?" Although, as I said, the, the Akronim do want to say that this isn't really a valid a valid comparison. But it, in the Gomorrah, it doesn't do that. So the Gomorrah accepts Rav Ashi's lomdis. It accepts Rav Ashi's logic. Rav Ashi, you're right. But by accepting the logic, we have a problem with Rav Huna's statement. Yes, we do. So what? So what? So what? So nothing. Carry on learning. Um, and, and the, the, you see here the potential for both humility and arrogance in the process of questioning. And you know how important questioning. The whole Gomorrah is just a system of questioning. Everything is about questioning. The, um, and, and, and that's where, as, as Jewish people, that's in our DNA, to question, question, question. We question Hashem, we question the Torah. No other religion in the world allows, in, in history, has ever allowed and encouraged such questioning of the, of the dogma of the religion. And we take the, the Torah and we question, we take the Mishnah and we question, we take the Gomorrah and we question, that, that's how we do it. Uh, I, I might have told some of you the story once when, we, when the company, Raytheon, the company that makes the rockets and planes and things, uh, we were helping them, they were a client. Um, and they asked me why the only country they, that when they sell to, which is Israel, there are always a million questions. Everybody else says, thank you very much, show us how to use it. Good, we're ready to go. Israel, why is it this, and why don't you make it this way, and we want to change this, and we want to change that. The only, the only customer they've got is Israel. What is that about? So I explained to them that we question even Hashem. And Raytheon, you're not above Hashem. Jews are trained from childhood to question God, to question the to- We question everything. Does that mean we have answers? No, often we don't have answers. But that doesn't stop the questioning process because a question defines what you don't understand. And that's that's humility to say, you're saying something, I have a question, I don't don't get it, which means I'm missing some understanding. And that's why that, that question is so important because a question is acknowledging I'm missing understanding. That's humility. When you say, I question you, that's not humility, that's arrogance. That means you're missing understanding. So we've got to be very careful with, with a question, whether we're being asked a question, and this applies in all situations of leadership. When you're being asked a question or when you throw a question at somebody else, just take yourself through the thinking. Am I questioning, meaning I'm challenging, which comes across as arrogance, or do I have a question which comes across as humility? I hear what you're saying. There's just, I'm missing something. Can you help me? I'm missing something. So what Ravashi, Ravashi doesn't say, it's she doesn't say, and therefore we can't accept what Rav Huna said. Ravashi simply says, I, I see a pro- I'm missing some information. Because as I understand, Rav, these two statements are contradictory. So clearly I'm missing something. So what do you do when you're clearly missing something? You continue. There's the famous story of the Raghetshova when somebody asked him a question. The Raghetshova used to just answer with references. And he sent the person to a reference. I think it was Masechet Shabbos on a particular and and, and see was this and see was that, two, one was following the other. The person spends days trying to work out what the relevance of those two was yes. are to the question he asked the Raghatshava. It's on a completely different topic, there's no connection. Eventually he can't figure it out, he goes back to the he says, I asked this, you referred me to two tosavis and there's no connection. He said, no, all I wanted you to see that at the end of the first was, he says, he leaves it as a question, a kasha, and he doesn't answer it. And the second was second carries on Learning from where you left off. It's okay to have a question and carry on learning. Sometimes you get an answer later on in your life. Sometimes it takes years and years, and sometimes you never get an answer. Questions don't need answers. Questions are just clarification of what it is that I don't understand. Once I've clarified what I don't understand, we very often get to the answer, but not always. And that's different from a to. Teyuvta is this cannot be right. A Kasha is I don't understand how it can be right. And in all cases of questioning, that's how we've got to frame frame questions in our own mind. Is this a question because it cannot be right? Am I sure? And then I've got to reject it? Or is this a question because I'm missing some information, I'm missing some understanding, and I've got to continue thinking about it and reflecting on it?